And really, that's what we're talking about. We've been for, this is our sixth week in the Imagine series. And really what we're talking about is our values here at K2. What we value the most. Man, Jesus is who we follow. Jesus is everything here to us. We follow Christ. We follow Jesus. But, but we have ten statements that we make about, about the way we value following him and the things that we think that he values because of his life and his word here to us. And today we're talking about the value of just following him, uh, the thrill of following him and the value that that has. And so as we look to the new year, um, I just I want to give you an encouragement. That's really not what we're going to talk about it today. But as you think about following Christ, um, there is nothing, there is nothing that I've experienced in my life uh, like, like, like this or something like this. Um, it's, it's not super technical, and this is a pen. Um, kids, this is, we used to write with these, like pens and pencils, and not just digital. And so, like a pen and some paper. And I have found in my life that, especially as you're, as you're kind of pioneering what your life is going to look like this next year, because don't we kind of, this time of year, don't we pioneer kind of, we kind of try and see what, what life is going to look like this next year for us. We know the mistakes of last year, right? How many of you guys know the mistakes of last year? And, and you know that there's things that you don't want to repeat in 2011 that, that have happened in the past, right? And so you're, and here's what I want to say. Man, it, if you want to follow Jesus, there, there's three things that I would encourage you to use. And, and this might sound really complicated, um, but this is a Bible and uh, lots of you have these. If you don't have one of these, I'd love to give you one. But if you want to know what God has for your life, this is an amazing communication from God to us. This is an amazing letter from God to us. And, and so reading the Bible and then taking a couple minutes to, to pray to God and to, to like journal and to say, God, this is... This is what I care about, and this is what I'm struggling with, and this is what I'm ticked off about, and this is what isn't right, and this is what I need to change. And to, to spend a couple minutes putting stuff down on paper and then and, and actually seeing what God does over... I have found nothing in my life as valuable as these three things in that process. And I want to tell you why I'm, why I'm even sharing it this... Uh, awkwardly or complicated enough is because uh, so this this last year it's really fun that we've settled into a house I'm really excited about it but the thing I'm most excited about is just just the routine of pursuit of following God Um, for us when it was actually about a year ago right now that we packed everything up and we had just moved out of our house in Africa and we kind of had this kind of a bit of a crazy transition year and so for me Man, the thing that I am most excited about is knowing where these three things are in the morning. Uh, This morning when I got up, we just spent our first night last night in this house. And I I don't know if you've had that experience when you spend your first night in a place, and maybe it's been a while. But like I stumbled over a bunch of stuff, and I didn't know where my deodorant was, and I had to wake everybody up. And then you hear all the creaks in the floor, you know, for the first time. And you don't know where the light switches are. Do you know what I mean? And and we've been in about a year of that, and so... uh, Man, to actually know where I sit. In fact, last night I was moving this chair around and I was trying to figure out in the living room where I'm going to sit every morning. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because you got to know in life, 
you know, what you do when you wake up, right? You, you know where your stuff is. You know where you, if you exercise a little bit, you kind of know where you do that. And, and so I'm excited to know where these things are going to be in the morning. And, and just the fruit that that will look like in my heart and in my relationship with God and the, the fruit that it'll look like with, with you and as we interact. So please be praying for us about that as well. So I'm excited to, uh, to be here. Crystal and I are excited to, to kind of get into that routine of life, if you will. Do you, are you tracking with me? You know what I'm saying? So if, if this is new to you, or if Jesus thing is kind of new to you, and following God, that whole idea, um, I just don't think of following God as performance. Okay, this isn't, I'm not giving you a duty to do, and then as we pass in the hall, I'm going to say, how'd you do this morning? Um, it, what I'm saying is these have been, been tools of following and walking with Jesus that are, are invaluable to me. And I don't know how to, I, I can't give you a verse that says that you should journal in the morning, um, but, but I would say if you want to know God better and what it is for you to follow him, uh, I would encourage this to you like nothing else. All right? If you want to talk more about that, I'd be happy to. All right. So this morning we're talking about following and... Uh, you know, I was with Crystal over the holidays at some point. It feels like it was just this last week. Our office was closed last week. And so uh, I went snowboarding a lot, and we were running around on a few days. And um, so I, I looked back in the car at Crusoe. Crusoe's our five-year-old. And any of you have five-year-olds or have ever had five-year-olds? Like four, five, just the absolute perfect age. Um, totally take care of themselves, get themselves dressed, go to the bathroom on their own, but there's still that cute, just beautiful naivete and cuteness. And, uh, and so Crusoe, uh, I think we went snowboarding in the morning for a couple of hours, and, and then we stopped for lunch, and, and I watched him a couple points through the day. And first of all, they, um, they, they have, when, we, when we spend a lot of time in the car or on a holiday week or whatever, we've always got these uh, PSPs in the car. And so we don't try and do it all the time, but this last week they've been in the car the whole week. And so the kids um, raced out of the house in the morning, and man, they're just PSPing all the way up until the mountain. And they're like, wow, we're here. All right, let's jump out, we'll snowboard. And uh, went snowboarding for a couple hours, got back in the car, Boom, just loving every minute of peace. Whoa, we're at lunch. All right, get out and go to lunch. All right, and, uh, and uh, back in the car, PSPN. Oh, we're going to stop here. All right, good. Get out, walk through the store with mom and dad. And just, just this attitude of I'm thrilled in the moment and what's next? I'm thrilled in the moment right now. What's next? Okay, get in the car. All right, I'll get in the car. Wow, there's lunch. Awesome. All right, having no idea how much the day costs having no idea what's next, having no idea about anything except for mom and dad told me to jump out of the car and eat lunch. All right, we're here. Uh, we're snowboarding. All right, we're here. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I was enjoying watching him, of course, wishing that that was my reality as well. Um, and, uh, and just thinking of the joy of just knowing that mom and dad love me, and today's going to be fun, and there's going to be food at some point, and I'm going to have fun every minute in between and never really worry about what's next. And there's something there when we talk about following 
when we talk about the thrill and the joy of following God, there's something there that reflects what Jesus called, to, called us to. And so I, kinda, I wanna jump into that because the truth is this, is that every one of us is a follower. Now, I don't know if you buy that or not yet, so you need to wrestle with that. That's, don't let that just slip by you. Every one of us is a follower of something, okay? We all follow either a person or a relationship or maybe it's a passion. We just have a serious passion for, for cars and we, we follow it and, and we work on it. Or maybe your passion is your work and um, maybe you're um, in advertising or you're in design and you just have a, a passion and you follow your passion and it drives the amount of hours you spend and you dri- it drives what you study and, and you follow it. Or maybe you follow um, you know, your love for something or your love for money or your, or your fear. Maybe you follow your fear. Your fears of everything that could happen. Everything that could go wrong. The way your kids could turn out. The way your finances could go south. And you follow. See, every one of us is a follower of something. And I don't know if I always think about it that way. Because, and I'll talk about this some more, but my tendency is to not want to be a follower, but to say, man, I, I, I'm my own person. I'm a leader. I'm, I'm not a follower. I, I make my own way. I make my decisions. I'm in control of this. But the truth is, is that you and I are a follower of something. And so we're going to see that Jesus, when he calls people, he says, hey, come and follow me. And now, if, if I don't believe I'm a follower, that seems like a huge request. But Jesus isn't just saying, come and follow me. He's saying, you're following something. Follow something better. Follow, the, follow me. And so if I don't know I'm a follower, to start following seems like, wow. But, but if I understand that I'm going to follow something in life, what Jesus says to us is he says, follow me. Let me pray for us, and then uh, we're going to jump into the text. God, uh, this morning we're coming to you on this new year, and, and really just as a first time corporately coming together, we just say thank you. Thanks for another year of life. God, there's some of us who just health-wise are praising you to have made it through last year, and we're just grateful for life, and so we say praise you. And there's some of us who this last year have, have gone to be with you, and have gone to be with you in heaven. And we say praise you for their lives. God, would you heal our hearts as we grieve? And would you, would you use us, God, with the days that you still give us? Would you use us with the days that we have left here on earth? God, for some of us, last year was a, a train wreck, painful year. And God, we we asking you for new life. God, for some of us, we had a great year and we want this year to even be better. God, we want to we wanna rejoice together as a family with those re- who rejoice. We want to wanna grieve with those who grieve, but ultimately, God, we want to look to you. God, you are, you're the one who has set our days before us. So God, we ask that you would set the days of our 2011, that you would... Help us as individuals and families and as a church to follow you well in and out of the days of 2011. 
God, would you give us more intimacy with you? Would you give us more relationship with you? Would you help us to listen and follow you more and more this year than ever before? And God, we just, we thank you for the privilege of doing this together. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God, talk to us from your word this morning. All right, if you want, you can turn to Mark, and it might be up on the screen. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. And I just want to read this passage. Mark 1, 14. We're going to go through to verse 22 or 23, I think. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his, pe- and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When they had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. Then they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. All the other people, all the people were so amazed that they asked each other, Who is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly throughout the whole region of Galilee. So here we have uh, an account of, of Peter and Andrew and James and John and Jesus calling to them and what he immediately called them into. And, and these first disciples, Jesus calls them, and, and he simply says, Come and follow me. And I don't know what your experience, either growing up in the church or or coming to church later in life or hearing about the good news of Christ, I I don't know exactly what it was like, but I doubt that your experience and my experience was exactly like this. Um, Because you and I want a lot more information than these guys got, didn't they? They didn't get much. Jesus is walking past and he says, come and follow me. All right, And so the first thing that, that I want you to notice is that there's always something to leave. It, following begins with leaving. Following begins with leaving. And, and that's really what happens. When we talk about the thrill of following, it really starts with, with leaving something. And for some of us, that's really the problem, is that we're not sure we can do that. You know, there's, there's other people in the, in the New Testament that Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. And they said, no, I, I don't want to leave. And they never did. See, following begins with leaving. And getting back to what I said just before about we're all followers. You see, if we understand that we're all following something, 
then if we start to follow something new, we're going to, at some level, have to leave what we were following, right? And that's what Jesus says. Hey, come and follow me and, and leave what you were following. It's inherent in the call. And so what, what he says to them is, is, follow me. And these guys do. These guys leave a family business. These guys leave what they've invested in their work, and they follow him. Now what we're going to find out is that, that Jesus probably introduced himself and, and these guys came to know Jesus across a period of time. And there's probably three or four times when Jesus actually calls them and, and, and they step in and then they step in a little further and then they really let go. Okay, these guys aren't, these guys aren't just watching a random person walk past and... And uh, he says, follow him. And they're like, all right, we'll quit everything. We'll drop our lives and our families and we'll go. Okay, they aren't idiots. They aren't jerks. But, but there's something going on here in, in this relatively short period of time where they get introduced to Christ and, and they follow him. And so following begins with leaving. Do you remember the story of Abraham? Uh, if you've been around or even if maybe you've heard a sermon on it, uh, or if you grew up in the church, you remember Abraham was, he was just this guy. And where did he, where did he live? He lived in a land called Ur. And, and God called him out of it. And he said, I want you to follow me. I want you to leave everything and follow me. And I'll take you to a land that I will give you and your children and your children's children and generations after you as an inheritance. And he left. Following begins with leaving. The second thing is that following always kind of seems silly, doesn't it? Like, these guys have a business, they have a life, and doesn't at some level, doesn't it seem kind of silly to just drop everything and go a different direction to follow someone? Doesn't that seem kind of silly? Doesn't it seem kind of irresponsible? Think about this, this guy Zebedee. Zebedee, James and John's dad, literally left holding the nets. His sons that he'd been raising for his whole life to take over his business. You you understand that without retirements and IRAs and uh, without all of that, you you know that your children are your inheritance. Do you understand that? And your children continuing that business and, and, and supporting you is your inheritance, right? And so Zebedee's left empty handed. And his sons. They leave. Doesn't it seem kind of silly just to, just to follow? Because as we become adults, aren't we, supposed to, aren't we supposed to be mature? Aren't we supposed to know what we're supposed to do? Aren't we supposed to make the decisions? And so at some level, following, just this whole idea of saying, okay, God, whatever, it, it feels kind of silly. Remember Moses? Moses... God called Moses to, to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. They were in captivity in Egypt. They originally went down to Egypt through who? Joseph. Remember Joseph and, and the people of, of Israel went down and they were saved because Joseph has position 
in Egypt, and that's how they got there. And, and they were a very, very well taken care of and had their own city. And then you remember what happened is a new pharaoh came and decided to oppress all of them. And so they were, they were in oppression in Egypt, and God sent Moses to take them out. And so all of that happened with the plagues, and finally the people were released, and they were out of Egypt and going through the desert. And how did they know which way to go, to the left or to the right? How did they know? So Moses is a great leader of a million people and just t- huge, massive people, and he's the leader, and he has wisdom, and, and how did he know where to go? God put a, a smoke cloud in the sky and said, when the smoke cloud blows to the left, you guys go left. And when it goes to the right, you guys go right. And when it stands still, you build camp there. And at nighttime, if you can't see the cloud, I'll put fire in it so there'll be, it'll be a fiery cloud, fiery pillar. And if that pillar moves at 3 a.m., you pack up at 3 a.m. and you go. And doesn't that seem kind of silly? Like, why do you need me to, to follow you so specifically? And God isn't trying to be silly or to make people feel foolish, but he wants us to trust in him. Following to us as people always takes away our pride. And it always requires humility to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you more than I trust me. My dad, uh, I don't know if I ever told you, but I grew up in a family business. And so uh, this, uh, it's an electrical uh, contracting company, and it still exists in Ohio. And it's been a great family business that has provided for all of my grandfather's family for years. And uh, my grandfather started it in the 50s. It's almost 60 years old. And it's got a great reputation in Northeast Ohio. And, um, and so my dad and my uncle owned it all growing up. And in 1995, my dad, like many of you, had started, he came to Christ when I was five. My dad was about 30. And, uh, and so my dad's life began to change, just like some of you have had that experience when you come to Christ as an adult and your life begins to change. And you start getting more involved at church and kind of started out with like the greeting and the kind of the, they call it ushering in the Midwest. I don't know what they call it here. And so uh, kind of our greeters and, and, uh, and so he started like that, and then, and then he started helping in different ways and started teaching a, uh, a kid's class over in AC. And you know how it goes. Like, the more you start to walk with Christ, the more you kind of understand who God's wired you to be and how you serve and you get involved with different things. And eventually he became an elder in the church and, and just was spending time with people and counseling people and helping make spiritual decisions at the church. And so in 1995, he really started feeling like, I love, I love serving people. I love ministering here at the church. And God, what do I do with that? Because my brother and I are in this business, and, and man, I want to spend more time doing your stuff, but, you know, but I got this job. How many of you ever felt that way? Like, God, I want to I wanna, I wanna do more, but, but I, I obviously I got to work. And so um, just had mid-90s, like many of you did, just an amazing few years of, of business and profit. And my dad was in Washington, D.C. in 1997 in October. And this is uh, the only time that I can remember my dad telling me that he heard uh, God speak to him. And 
He was in, there was a, a Promise Keepers event in 1997 in Washington, D.C., where a million guys came together on the mall there at uh, Washington, D.C., and prayed. And he said there was a moment when um, he said all of those guys were on their hands and knees before God in the mall there. And, um, and so my dad's, I, I don't often see my dad praying on his hands and knees. It's not that he doesn't pray, it's just that's not his normal position. And so... Um, so, you know, when you get a million people down, bowing before the Lord on their hands and knees, just saying, God, you be glorified. That's a good thing. And, and so he said that, uh, he's told me a couple times that in that moment, just can't hear a thing. Can't hear a word. And can't hear a pin drop. And he said he knows that God told him at that time, he, he said, Tom, how much is enough? When will you trust me? How much is enough? And, uh, and for him, he knew right what that meant because he had been pursuing God and trying to figure out, God, how do I do ministry and work and life? And Tom, how much, my dad's name is Tom, Tom, how much will be enough? And, and so, uh, so um, he knew that God was saying, you know, trust me. Will you follow me? And so he went into this couple-year process of, of trying to help the business possibly replace himself and, and where he and his brother would figure out how to, how to split the business and be generous to his brother and, and that whole process of what it looked like for him to retire early so he'd have more time serving, okay? And uh, in this process, man, so many people said, are you, are you crazy? Why would you get out? Like, can't you, can't you live with the tension? Can't you do both? Can't you? Why in the world would you throw that away? I mean, look how, look how great it's been. Look how much God's provided for you in it. Wouldn't it be silly to throw it away? And, and following, and to this day, there's some people that, that don't understand his motives in that whole process. Following many times looks, looks very silly. Um, the end of the story, uh, the end of the story is that my uncle, unfortunately, found out that he had cancer and, uh, and died just before the business was supposed to completely become my uncle's. And... Uh, and for my dad, my dad felt like God had asked him to, to give this to him because, because my dad didn't want to, you know, to be a burden on his brother and stay in it but not be totally in it. And, and between my dad and God, he had this amazing thing of going through and saying, God, I'll do, I'll do anything. You can have this. And then, and then it ended up being completely my dad's anyways. And that business still kind of runs and is real profitable for my family and provides for my, my sisters and uh, my parents real well. I don't know what that looks like in your life. And uh, I don't know what that silliness factor is for you. But there's stuff that God calls us to follow him in that just looks foolish. It just doesn't make sense. And often that's the way it is. Following involves failure. You know, the, like I said, the Peter and, 
and James and John. This probably wasn't the first time they met Jesus. If you actually track through all the Gospels, there's probably three or four different times that, that Jesus calls him. In fact, you find out that Andrew, Andrew is Peter's brother, okay? And Andrew was a, a follower of John the Baptist. And he heard John the Baptist say about Jesus, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so Andrew, immediately what he did that a lot of the followers of John the Baptist did is they turned their sights to Jesus and they started following Jesus. And you actually find out that it's Andrew who his following rubs off on Peter because he says, Peter, Peter, or Simon, Simon, we've found the one, the Messiah. We found him. And so, so Peter had his brother saying, we've found the Messiah. And Andrew became a follower and then, and then Peter became a follower. But it takes time to... And, and actually, if you turn, if you turn to uh, 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 Luke 5, you can turn to Luke 5 if you want. In Luke, we find out that actually one of those times that, that Jesus asks uh, Peter to follow him is in the context of his work, his livelihood. And so Peter, you know he's a fisherman, and he sat at the water's edge. This is chapter 1, verse 2. Um, uh, left there by the fishermen, uh, he got into one of the boats that belongs to Simon, and he asked him to put him out to shore, and he taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for catch. And Simon said, Master, we've worked all night long. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll go. Now, one thing, he already calls him master or teacher, and so he's getting to know Jesus. I mean, he's, he knows he's a teacher, and he knows there's something significant about him, special. And he says, because of you, I'll do it. And so God provides for him miraculously through this. And they catch such a large number of fish that their nets begin to break. And uh, Peter's response, verse 8, is this. He says, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Go away from me, Lord. When, when, you, when you catch those glimpses face-to-face with God and you understand just the, the power of God, you and I, man, don't we often have the same response? It's like, man, go away from me, Lord. I, I want you, but God, I, man, forgive me. The more you follow, uh, the more of that should be your response. When you, when you come to face-to-face with God, is like, oh, Jesus, man, thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm a sinful man. And so what's interesting is this is at the start of his relationship with Jesus. Do you remember what happens after, after Jesus is crucified and raised from the dead? Do you remember where Peter's hanging out? He's fishing. And he said, I'm going back to fishing because Jesus is gone. I don't understand exactly what happened, but it's over. I'm going back to fishing. And Jesus goes by the side of the shore. And what's Peter doing? He's out all night. And how much did they catch? They caught nothing. And this is in John 21. You can read it later. He says, let down your nets. And they catch such a large, just unnatural group of fish, 153, I think, exactly. And he says, oh, Jesus. And Jesus meets him again, and he calls him to follow. Follow me. Serve me. See, it's messy. Failure is always involved in your and my following God. 
you're never going to follow him perfectly. We're always going to stumble. Does that make sense? We're always going to stumble, stumble into it. And don't you love that Jesus patiently calls Peter to follow again? I love it. Because if he wasn't patient with Peter, then he wouldn't be patient with you. If he wasn't patient with Peter, then he wouldn't be patient with me. And he does this. He doesn't like reinvent the call. He just says, follow me. And he patiently, and maybe for some of you, just even this morning, it's a new year. It's 2011. How many of you have been on this Sunday before? Every one of us has been, and we've said, all right, God, this this is my thing. You know I'm a gossip, and I don't want this year to be like last year. And, and God, I got I to gotta keep my mouth shut somehow. And or God, I just, I love buying stuff, and I, it never satisfies, and I got to stop. And I, we've been here on this Sunday. Do you know what I'm saying? We've been here before, and God, I want to follow you, and I want to find my peace in you. And he says, follow. So I love, I love that. Um, got this awesome, uh, I've got this awesome clip that I want you to see. It's about following. It's just about the thrill of following. Can we roll that? Do a lot of things. I mean, baseball's the least of it. And in all those things, sometimes they're going to miss. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they will. Sometimes they they will. What do you want me to give you? Guarantees? These are kids, not appliances. Life is messy. I I, I hate messy. It's it's, it's so messy. You know, when I was 19, Grandpa took me on a roller coaster. Oh? (laughs) Up, down, up, down. Oh, what a ride. What a great story. I always wanted to go again. You know, it was just interesting to me that a rye could make me so, so frightened, so scared, so sick, so, so excited and, and so thrilled all together. Some didn't like it. They went on the merry-go-round. That just goes around. Nothing. I like the roller coaster. You get more out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be seeing you in the car. She's a very smart lady. Come on, Taylor, your ears are ready. Yeah, a minute ago I was really confused about life, and then Grandma came in with her wonderful and affecting roller coaster story, and now everything's great again. I happen to like the roller coaster, okay? As far as I'm concerned, your grandmother is brilliant. Come on, Taylor. Come on, hurry up. Yeah, if she's so brilliant, how come she's sitting in our neighbor's car? <laughs> the merry-go-round just goes around. You and I tend to create systems of merry-go-round life that, that we control when we get on, when we get off, how fast it goes. 
we always know the destination, right? Because ultimately it doesn't go anywhere. But, but we think we know the destination. You and I love that illusion of being in charge of what goes on, don't we? We love the security of saying, this is what's going to happen. I know I'm going to come around here again. And, and if it gets too fast, I'll take some time off and, or I'll have the conductor slow it down. And it's a ride, right? It's fun. But she likes the roller coaster. And the roller coaster is a lot like what it, mean, what it is to follow Jesus. The following never stops. Just the last thing. Following never stops. And I think this is, if I could be honest with you, this is the thing that I find myself uh, just most freshly aware of. Because all of us know that Jesus calls people to follow him. He says, follow me. He says to Peter, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He says, follow. But, but here's the thing. Like, do I expect Crusoe, who, who spent the day last week going around in my hand, you know, just going wherever I told him. Do I expect him to be that way for life? No. I expect him to be leading his kids around, right? I expect him to learn how to make decisions. I don't want him calling me and say, Dad, what do I do for lunch? Right? I want, I want him to grow up into that. Does that make sense? But, but here's the thing. I've taken that and I, in a sense, I've assumed that what Jesus has said and I never really thought about this until this week. I, I've assumed that what Jesus said is, come and follow me, and I'll teach you how to walk with me so that you don't have to follow, so you'll know the way. Do you know what I mean? And do, let me say that again. So I've kind of assumed that what Jesus said is, come and follow me and learn where to go, and then you won't need to follow me there. You'll know the way there on your own. Does that make sense? And so at some point... I think that all of us tend to quit following because we think, oh, I'm mature now. I've been here for long enough, so now I know how to do this. And you find a guy like Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is a great leader and has much understanding and walks with the Holy Spirit. And and what that produces in him is he lays out a whole missions itinerary for where he's going to go and what cities he's going to preach at. And and God tells him, go a different way. Follow me over here. And he well, but God, I, I kind of laid this whole thing out, and there's people expecting me, and, and this, is, you know, this is my job. I'm the Apostle Paul, and, I, and God says, go. And, and he goes a completely other direction. And so you have people who, the more they follow, the more they follow. Does that make sense? The, the more they follow, and the more they grow, and the tighter they are, the, the more they follow. And so really, those first steps that Peter and Andrew took of, of dropping the nets and getting into the roller coaster and pulling the safety bar down and beginning to follow, that, that should produce more following. Not, not more independence, but more dependence. Does that make sense? And, and so really, I find myself here just saying, wow. So, so us as, as followers of Jesus, we ought, to, we ought to follow more this year than we did last year. We ought to, in a sense, say, say, God, my books are more open for you than they were last year. I was pretty busy last year with my own stuff, and, and this year I'm less busy with my own stuff, and I, I'm, 
I'm more open to what you want for me. I want to follow you. How do you know what ride you're on? Whether you're on a merry-go-round or on a roller coaster. I think the way, to, the way to determine what kind of life you're in, what kind of way you're on, what kind of path you are on, the way to, the way to decide which one you're on or to evaluate it is to, is to say who's in control. If you know there's stuff that, that you're saying, God, you're not in control of this. I, I have got to be able to be the one to make all the decisions on this. Then to that extent, you're on a roller coaster of your own making. And God says, trust me, I've got better rides for you. I've got more thrilling stuff for you. But you've got to trust me. You've got to step off the merry-go-round, and you've got to get in my ride. You've got to follow me. So as the band comes up, we're going to worship today. And uh, I'm excited about our time of worship this morning just as we say, God, I want to follow you. Where you go, I'll go. What you say for me to do, I'll do it. Who you want me to love, I will love them. I will follow you. Will you worship with us as we commit this year to the Lord and say, God, I want to follow you. Lord God, we come before you and... And God, we, we love the fact that you've called us to follow, but God, it terrifies us. And so this morning, we just want to commit ourselves to pursuing you. We want to commit ourselves to saying, God, help us to let go of the reins, to get off the merry-go-round. God, to be okay with the up-down, up-down. God, the, the sometimes fear, the sometimes thrill, the sometimes nausea of, of saying, God, I want you to be in control. I, I, I can't be the one in control. God, you've got to be in control. So God, as we worship, would you, would you give us the courage to give those reins to you? In Jesus' name.